That was the worst podcast ever. My name is Justin Bills. I'm joined with my friend Jordan Clausen. He's a singer, songwriter, and he can only record a podcast in a studio. Welcome, Jordan. Good to see you. I like teasing you. Good to see you, you too. Yeah, yeah, you're a real jokester. <laughs> um, we're finally doing it, Jordan. We're doing the Enjoy Your Rabbit episode. Yeah, yeah. So basically. Of the thousands and thousands of letters we've received over the years, um, the number one comment we get on the podcast is, why didn't you do Enjoy Your Rabbit? It's one of my favorites. It's um, a compelling kind of introduction to Sufjan Stevens' style and his catalog and, um, yeah, how he thinks about music. It's an important part of his um, portfolio, so... uh, we're going to do it. We're going to do Enjoy Your Rabbit. It's been years in the making, but uh, we feel like we finally um, have hit hit a, po- pe- uh, a point of readiness. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I have a prediction, Jordan. Okay. I don't think the complaint emails are going to stop because people will just be like, you didn't get Enjoy Your Rabbit. You didn't like yeah. it enough. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, do people really love this one? I, I've, I've never, I mean, we'll, we'll dive into it in a bit, but um, I guess people really love it. I, anyway, I, I don't want to get too much into it. It, it is, it is really cool in some ways. So, well, I, th- um, I think and- Sufjan has a, a, a strong fan base that is quite vast. And so yeah. you do, when you talk Sufjan Stevens, you do get people that ha- just feel strongly. Let me just put yeah. it that way. Like he's yeah. an artist that people feel strongly about. And so with each one of his records, I think you can find a group of fans that are like, this record is really important because of this or that. And and yeah, there's lots of debating online. There's lots of controversy on the Facebook group. Basically, there's this huge divide. There's like us old guys that like Sufjan's acoustic stuff and then the younger people are like, I hate the old people that only like the acoustic stuff. Why can't they just listen to his pop stuff and like it? And and they like fight with each other. And um, I had to clarify in the Facebook group that our podcast doesn't have an official stance that we love all all walks of life and all of Sufjan's stuff. Although, you know, I can't help but just feel like we're going to be more sympathetic to the music that we listen to that made us like Sufjan Stevens. So... You know, I respect that other people probably if you're a newer fan, you're going to feel more affectionate towards whatever album you started with. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, let's just be honest. We are kind of on the more of the old guys, the old guy like bend. I know. I feel kind of bad, Jordan, because I thought I'd be like a cool old guy, but I realize I'm not. I'm kind of crotchety and kind of like, oh, he's not playing a banjo. You know, like, I think I am kind yeah. of a lame, like, I think, are we turning into, like, lame old guys? I just turned 36. Yeah. Yeah, I I do feel like, you know, I mean, I don't know if we've talked about this before. I feel like we have, but 
I, I have felt in the past that I'm going to grow up and I'm going to be the exception to the rule. Like I'm not going to be the lame old guy. Yeah. I'm going to be like the old guy who's like still with it. And you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to have like an ear piercing or something like that, <laughs> but I am going to still be like excited about new art and new music and stuff. But you're right. Like I do kind of find myself, um, just kind of wanting to return to what I, to what I know. And, and that also, it, I, yeah, sorry, Jory. That is the reason no, why go. old people are lame because they're just like, I just want to return to the stuff I like. Yeah. And we yeah. do that. Yeah. That's what this podcast yep. is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. You said that you've become crotchy though. Like, do you find, are you like wagging your fist at like the hooligans, like driving by, blaring their music, that kind of stuff? Well, to some extent, but I think like, I think what makes you not a crotchety 36 year old is that you're really open to new things and you're really open to the younger generation but yeah like you had me follow this gen z like guy (laughs) (laughs) um yeah what's his name again i don't know but oh we should find out let's find out his name but i was just like like, it's like chad looters or something uh uh-huh um, I would really high, highly recommend a follow of this fellow, of this gentleman. Um, he, <laughs> I mean, he's not that special. Oh, Carson, I think it's Carson Looters or something. But oh, I wish that's I where I'm kind of like, it's hard for me to be open because I'm like, wh- wh- like, what is this? He'll just be like, happy Valentine's Day. And then it's like, for f- it's like a photo shoot of him like on a train. And then it yeah, has like a like, million likes on it. He does like photo shoots every day, basically. <laughs> it's just this like, he must be like 16 or something. The 16 year old kids just like ripped with like huge abs and pecs <laughs> and just like <laughs> taking photos of himself every day. Just like, hey, or, and it will always be super cheesy. Like, hey, I'm think it'll be on Valentine's Day, like thinking about love today. What makes you feel in love? Uh Uh-huh. Stuff like that. (laughs) Like, it's crazy that there's no irony in it. Like, I had to ask you, like, is there self-awareness to this? Like, is he being ironic? And that's where I just kind of feel like, Justin, you've got to be open to the next generation. Just don't say that everything they do is lame and that they don't know what it was like to live through 9-11 and stuff. Yeah, right. (laughs) But I do think there... Oh, yeah, here he is. Sorry. Carson Luders is his name. 19-year-old singer, guitarist, dancer. Love God. <laughs> I know. Beast they're, mode. He's they're usually a Christian, too, aren't they? These guys. Yeah. Do you know what? There's this almost new... Cu- there's this new culture of evangelical Christian, I think, in America, especially. It's like kind of like bachelor Christian. I was going to say like, that. Yeah. They're just like super good looking and just like... just boinging each other left right and center but then their instagram profiles are also like love jesus or or like a bible verse like i know the plans i have for you declares the lord (laughs) (laughs) i know the most christians i've seen on tv in the past 10 years is on the bachelor yeah and uh, totally which is strange because um 
because when I tell people I watch The Bachelor, I still get judged real bad by other Christians. I mean, as you should. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but I should be like, it's actually the most spiritual TV show there is. Like, they have prayer meetings and stuff. Yeah. Oh, we. Sh- I mean, here's the thing, Just. If we ever stop doing... I mean, we're, eventually we're going to run out of Sufjan material. Yeah. I wonder, like, you know, what? where, where would we go from there? Are we just going to dive into more Sufjan topics? Or are we going to kind of close the book on Sufjan eventually and start a Bachelor podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the truth is, Jor, have you been... The Bachelor might be finished. There may not be any more. Yes, because of the whole scandal with Chris Harrison. Yeah, people don't want Chris yeah. Harrison to come back and then they're questioning what... And you know what? I do think in 2021, can you keep having this premise that is just so inherently awful, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, no, has it outstayed its welcome? But I don't. I think it's funny that it was ever welcome. Like, I remember this show's been around for like 20 years, right? Yeah. Like, I remember, so I was, you know, I was like 18 or something when the first season happened. And I remember being young and being like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> like, what a ridiculous concept. Especially that it like culminates in the fantasy suite. That like, basically you have these strangers meeting each other and then pretend or talking about how they're so in love and then they bang each other in like three weeks uh-huh <laughs> i know i i've always thought you know if there was no tv show and there was just a guy and he's like i'm dating 20 women and then i eliminate them and when i get down to four i spend the night with all of them and then i pick one like if that wasn't a tv show you'd be like you are the worst person in the world yeah yeah like, totally look and it's also mirror. interesting i think i think it's interesting too that it started as like uh as like male you know like the male is the bachelor right like i don't know it's so problematic actually like in some ways i mean if you were gonna kind of do like a courtship show i mean not to say this wouldn't be problematic as well but if you're gonna do a courtship show like You'd think that you would go back to this kind of like Victorian, like there's the young, you know, you, there's the there's the young eligible, right, g- girl, and all the men are like vying for her attention and you know trying to win her over, like Mr. Darcy or something. Yeah. Um, but no, no, that's not what America does. They go, <laughs> no, this dude is just gonna have all these chicks around him, fighting, I've... scratching each other. <laughs> I feel like it's problematic in most timelines. I feel like even Solomon would just be like, that's a little much. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Even by a biblical standard. Like, even in the 1800s or 1700s, people would be like, "Mm, that's not great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, And so it is really interesting that there is this culture emerging where, you know, there's the all these evangelicals who are kind of like, yeah, I don't know. Just on on the one hand, just completely giving themselves over to this truly shallow, horrible culture, and then just being like, and just slapping the old Jesus stamp on it. My favorite you is, know? I forget his name, but there's this one guy, and he put his testimony online because he's a Christian guy, and his testimony was like, I really felt like I was going to find the one on The Bachelorette but then I got sent home and I started to doubt if God had plans for me. But then I got chosen to be the bachelor 
And then I realized that God is great again. And then I met my <laughs> wife and I was like, this is the, wor- the worst testimony I've ever heard. It's like I was really struggling in my faith because I got sent home from the bachelorette. But then my faith was renewed because I became the bachelor. I was like, this is bad. Yeah. <laughs> what a theological giant of a man. <laughs> it's like yeah it's like in the bible people are like being murdered and he's like i got sent home on a reality tv show and i started to (laughs) doubt the existence of god yeah i mean all to be fair we still watch this show yes yeah and and i Um, do too yes yeah uh we uh, it started out as kind of a kind of a funny ironic thing to do with my friends you know um and then i just actually started just getting hooked on it now and also can i tell the listeners all a a a huge secret about justin um one of the first or one of the memories (laughs) i have about justin i think maybe you were just married or something and it was the bachelor finale and you set up like a whole romantic dinner in front of the TV watching Bachelor <laughs> and you gave Courtney a rose, your mainstream wife. Mm-hmm. We were dating. Yeah. And Jordan, I feel like you were there for some reason. Were you there? Did oh, you show uh, up or something? Oh, maybe. Because maybe I ju- you like hired me to sing a song or something like like on one of those dates. <laughs> all I remember is for the finale, I ju- and it was Jason Mesnick's season, just for all you Bachelor Nation <laughs> out there. Um <laughs> Uh, I dressed up in like a suit and I had a rose set up. Yeah. In front of the TV and Jordan were, was I, Courtney and I, were we the ones, were we the gateway into bachelor nation for you and Olivia? I don't know. Actually, I I don't think so. I think I always kind of made fun of you, but then eventually I, I don't know, me and some roommates started watching it when I first moved to Vancouver, I think. Well, th- that's um, the thing. Everybody watches it first, ironically. But yeah. then I think within 45 minutes, it's not ironic anymore. And you're like, are they going to find love? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I'm pretty sure I cried at one point on one of the seats. Not this last season, but the season before, I think I cried at one point. You did? I can't remember what it was. I think it was they were talking about they were two people of color and they were talking about... Oh, like yes. racism or something. Yeah, <laughs> that was emotional. There were yeah. some. Um, you cried too, didn't you? You you cry easier than anyone I know. That's true. So you for sure cried. Who is this last bachelor? Uh, J- Matt James. Or Matt something? James. He yeah. m- he met with his estranged dad, and that did get me going. Oh yeah, that, that was, was intense. But that also was weird. This is another reason why I hate the show. Like. It's so for those of you who I mean, I'm sure most of you are actual like moral people with some kind of virtue. So you don't watch The Bachelor. Mm -hmm. But um, (laughs) just to fill you in, basically, the show is it could be just called exploiting people (laughs) because the the idea is that there's Matt James, who is a, a person of color and he's on the he's on the show and he has an estranged relationship with his dad. And so, I mean, I, I've re- I read a lot of kind of responses to it later that were kind of really critical about the whole 
the whole scene, but basically he <laughs> has, he confronts his dad, but it also feels very forced. He confronts yeah. his dad about how he was never there for him when he was growing up. And, um, later he kind of came out and said, yeah, you know what? The producers really pressured me into doing this and I didn't want to. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. It's like, it's a really weird problematic show it, it really is, is it is but, but ju- they also thought maybe it was like there was some kind of you know i think a lot of people of color were kind of like yeah this is like just perpetuating another narrative about black men and yeah it was really it, that actually was like for me like one of the nails in the coffin of like I'm going to consider stop watching this show. <laughs> well, yeah, this last season, I just feel like he was tokenized. So like, yes, and they totally. did not have the actual capacity to, to change. They just tokenized him, uh, you know, and yeah. Yeah. And, you know, to be honest, when you watch two hours, because every episode is two hours, I feel the most empty and I feel like, I have completely <laughs> wasted my night. And I've never felt yeah. good about it. It's just a giant void. The giant void of Bachelor Nation. It's like, what did I... The two hours I... My favorite thing, though, Jor, is just picturing you, like, the next day deep diving and reading articles. I think that's funny. <laughs> um, well... Yeah, I'm not going to pass the buck, but Olivia t- tells me a lot of this stuff because she's she follows a lot of Bachelor accounts on Instagram. So, Well, can I just say I love when I'm on the Internet and I find your footprints like you're ahead of me, like Jordan was here. Like, <laughs> so, Yeah, give me an example. Sometimes Courtney and I will just be going through like an Instagram account that plays funny videos and we'll be like 30 videos deep into it. And it'll be like a 50-year-old single guy just being like, hey, ladies, I made pasta sauce tonight. Anybody coming over? And I'll just look on this Instagram account. It'll just say, liked by Jordan Clausen. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll just be like, Jordan was here. Yeah, totally. Oh, that's funny. I love it. Just like, oh, Jordan is way ahead. You love funny videos. I have this old old memory of being at your house like on a saturday and i watched you on your laptop open up youtube and in the search you just wrote funny and that- <laughs> i remember that that was, that was a gag i used to do that killed me i was just like you seriously just type fun like funny videos and then you would just start watching them <sighs> yeah i have this memory of you all you were always just the life of the party and we were with a bunch of our pals and you were like, you did something like, hey, everybody on the World Wide Web, this is my girlfriend, Courtney. (laughs) I'm going to smooch her or something like that. (laughs) Do you remember that? (laughs) Yeah, and I would upload it to my Facebook page. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. I'd do anything for a laugh. Yeah, man, I did. I really did anything for a laugh, sometimes to great harm to myself. Yeah, and then like you're falling asleep that night, and and then you just feel shame. Yeah, I think it was that kind of youth group culture that taught you that, you know. Yeah, like do you ever? Like, oh, go ahead, Jordan. Sorry, it'll just be like, 
let's get these kids to like barf into a sock and then they have to squeeze all the juice out and drink it like stuff like that (laughs) just like the most disgusting terrible things you could ever think of jordan you went to youth group growing up of course yeah and were you like, I would love to be on stage. Like, I'll chug, yeah. I'll suck a banana through a sock or whatever they made kids do. Yeah. Is that what, you would do that? Totally. I love to be on on the stage. I remember. Especially if the girl I, that I had a crush on was there. Oh, and she's like, Jordan, you look so hot when you drank a Happy Meal from a blender. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you had to like. When you had to lick that salad dressing out of that boy's armpit. <laughs> <laughs> Youth group's so insane because very quickly they just transferred to like, Jesus loves you. Like, how do you like, how do you go from licking somebody's armpit to like, Jesus loves you now? So yeah, we're like, okay, guys. All right. So tonight we're going to talk about sanctification. <laughs> like, man. <laughs> It's like, wow, you know, the other day I was just praying and I felt God say to me, wow, you know, Steve, um, I'm here for you. I love you. But man, you need to walk in righteousness. <laughs> just stuff like that. Just like, oh man, I, I actually, I actually think that as I've kind of grown older, that kind of stuff is the thing that I'm the most bitter about. Really? Yeah, oh. it really is. Really? I mean, I have. What do you mean? I have bit. I have bitterness uh, about. <laughs> I, I mean, I shouldn't say that. I I am working to find. I'm. I I have trauma maybe about a lot of church things from like my early twenties that was some really bad stuff that happened. Yeah. But this the stuff this kind of like the the culture of Christianity like that's just so kind of blasé and so yeah just that kind of like thing about kind of like it's like mcdonald's religion basically yeah you know it means like nothing it's just so kind of like it teaches people that like this is just kind of like a like a cool lifestyle that you can like just kind of add to your life you know (laughs) and that's just that's just not what religion is and i actually think that religion has a lot of beauty to offer but i i I think that the reason why so many people are so put off by it is because it's just been kind of bastardized into this terrible, yeah, like fast food kind of approach to the world. Like, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we have like our five apologists that kind of explain why this is true and we're just going to trust them. And now we're going to, I don't know, just read Christian books and do Christian things and say Christian language. And I just... Oh, I, it's, yeah, it, it bugs me. Anyway, sorry. I, 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 I sound like a crotchety old man. No, no, no. Bringing it all back around. I think in this case, it's not, I think you're right. I just find, I'm surprised because you, you went through like legitimate, uh, legitimate, difficult, like somewhat kind of like uh, manipulative things in your twenties, but you're like the thing that really gets to me. Is is when they made me like eat a banana through like a woman's leggings. <laughs> You're like that's the part that I'm the most angry about. Yeah, maybe that. Maybe there there's something problematic. I I don't think it's. I'm not the most angry. I I that's. I don't think that was. I think that was people. 
um, and it's a common story, but it's more kind of like, I'm like, there are people who actually, no, you're right. That stuff is way worse. I just think that like, I'm just kind of like, I don't like, I want to, I want to teach my kids about, um, this stuff, but I just don't want it to be in that context. You know, I just don't yeah. want my kids to be, think that this stuff is just like, uh, uh, I don't know. I don't want it. To, I don't want them to think it's like that. Yeah. I d- no. I think that's good, George. Actually, I you know because I have young kids, and I watched um, Sons of Sam on Netflix about the Son of Sam murders and stuff. Mm-hmm. Did you watch that, George? No, but I will. I'm going to. That's that's totally my bag. I mean, it's not. It's fine, but. Like these murders were kind of spurred on by, you know, Satanism or whatever. And you had like Charles Manson, the precursor to that. And then I realized watching it, I was like, oh, I was born in 85. So it was years after that. But I go, that's why my entire upbringing, everything was demonic, satanic. And I was made to feel afraid of everything. And I realized because the news was these satanic murderers and it just blew up in this thing. And I was just like, for most of my life, Christianity was just like, Satan is everywhere. If you like watch the Smurfs, you'll become demon possessed. And I was just kind of like, what an insane way to raise a child to just like, Satan is everywhere. And then, so now I'm just kind of like, wow, I am so happy that I don't have to do that to my kids but um, but the truth is is when they're 36 they'll just be like my dad was did this <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah but at least yeah. I'm not gonna do that well it was kind of funny like I was watching a, a Dodger game with my oldest daughter and I was I was about to say oh this pitcher is a Christian like all excited like he's one of us and then I just realized like what I don't actually want to teach my daughter to just be like, this one's on our team and that one isn't, you know? And I was like, actually, I'm yeah, not yeah. I'm not going to teach my daughter that there's these Christian people and non-Christian people and we like the Christian people better. Like, I was like, I'm not going to teach her the, you know, the tribalism that... But I just remember as a kid just being like, that person's a Christian and almost just feeling so much comfort, like... They're like that celebrity is good or, you know, like, yeah. And then, and then feeling so betrayed when you find out that they did something wrong or <laughs> yeah. Like, like I loved skateboarding. So my favorite skateboarder was Jamie Thomas. Cause he was a Christian. Right. Yeah. Right. And so that was just kind of the, the culture or my favorite pitcher was Oral Hershiser Cause he was a Christian and it was just kind of like, and I just kind of thought, no, I'm not going to teach my daughters to, to do that but you're right yeah. i think i feel like now like my journey now is just like mxpx was my favorite christian punk band and then every every moment everything growing up is just discovering that they weren't really and they're not anymore <laughs> yeah. and, and being like so bummed that they like oh you're not on my team anymore that sucks yeah totally oh totally i actually was listening to this Orthodox, this Eastern Orthodox priest talking about um, art. And one thing that he said that stood out was um, when he became Orthodox, he, he burned all his Christian CDs. All his Christian Which, CDs. Yeah. Yeah. Like, as in, it was kind of like a, in some ways it was kind of like a, 
theologically so anemic that like he just couldn't even he yes. couldn't have them in his house anymore <laughs> i know and i love that irony because in a way i'm like usually like why would i tell my daughter like this is the christian pitcher on the team and we like them more because more times than not it's the christian players that say something like a tsunami was caused by gay people and i'm like that's not something that we should be celebrating. Like, there are so many people out there that I'm like, just because they're a Christian, that like, it doesn't necessarily mean that that means like, we're, you know, like, I don't know what I'm trying to say. It doesn't mean yeah, they're a good yeah. person or somebody to emulate. Right. Yeah. You know, but um, I, I also, it's just so funny that like the most famous verse that like, anybody can quote is for god so loved the world and yeah. the fact that we were raised in this like the world is evil and unless somebody's a christian they're just horrible it's just so funny when the whole point of everything was that god loves this world and everybody on it the earth is the lord's and everybody in it you know like it's just so yeah like there is something looking back on on kind of christianity in the 80s and 90s that was just so strange it was. It really was. And thank yeah. God for Sufjan Stevens to lead us out of it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, well, on that note, should we enjoy our rabbit? Let's get into it. When we get back, we'll be getting into Sufjan Stevens' second ever official release. Enjoy your rabbit. Welcome back to uh, That Was The Worst Podcast Ever, a podcast where two very handsome men talk about another more handsome man named Sufjan Stevens. <laughs> That's true. Um, and um, today we're, we're taking a deep dive into um, what has been for sure an absolute over-the-top controversy in the in the <laughs> that was the worst podcast ever world um people have been asking us why did you skip enjoy your rabbit just let's go back why did we skip i i mean i'm gonna put most of the blame for this on you but yeah so the whole premise of the podcast is a chronological order of sufjan steven's major releases let's say and for whatever reason Early on, because our first episode is The Sun Came. Our second episode should have been Enjoy Your Rabbit. But I was worried that I didn't have enough to say about it. I wasn't as interested in it. And I just go, Jordan, let's skip it. And you were too agreeable. I could see it in your eyes. I could see that you knew it was a bad idea, but you went along with me anyway. And it is the only feedback we <laughs> criticism we get. Yeah. <laughs> like by far is why did we skip this album so we're finally doing it we're getting into enjoy your rabbit i am let me just say jordan i am so sorry i s totally blew it it's okay because what 
because his releases influence the next release, and it's like you got to talk about it. Like the BQE influences Age of Odds. Yeah. Like you just got to yeah. talk about it. Uh, you know, I do remember pushing back actually, kind of being like, "Uh, I think that we should just do the order." And you were like, "No, people won't care. Nobody cares." And yeah, yeah. And boy, was I wrong. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> people care. And yeah. I think every single one of Sufjan's albums, somebody, that's somebody's favorite. Yeah. I mean, Which, I think it was easier also, like, if it would have been different if I would have been totally in love with this album. But I never yeah. really, I, I never really was for reasons that we can get into in a sec. I, I have a theory on why I, why it kind of failed in the hearts of a lot of men and women. Um <laughs> But, yeah. Um, anyway, so we spent the week with it, or the last couple weeks. It's 80 minutes long. An hour and 20 minutes long. Um, so it's a lot of music. Um, and just, what was your, was your mind changed? Are you kind of still the same? Are you neutral? How, what, did you, what, did your, what did you feel about it? Well, I kind of, you know, I think what's hard is... I got into Sufjan Stevens in 2005. This was released in 2001. And and by 2005 in Illinois and stuff, when you're returning to Enjoy Your Rabbit, it, it just is such a departure in a way to go to all the instrumental. And it's funny because people call this an electronic album. It's not that electronic when you return to it. It's not. Like, compared to, I think, in 2021, what electronic albums are, it doesn't sound that electronic. Like, do you ha- do you agree with that, Jor? Yeah, I, I, well, I mean, so, okay, I'm just going to bust out my theory, and this is probably a little shallow, and maybe it will be annoying, but I think that um, track two, which is kind of like the first kind of full track, I think it's Year of the Monkey. Um, yeah. I think it kind of sets the... It's just too challenging of a song to start a record with. Um, yeah. It's just yeah. so, so abrasive. And so I think I can remember. Actually, you know what? When I put the record on, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember this. This is why I didn't listen to this album. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, why don't we listen to uh, You're the Monkey? Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like digital distortion that he's kind of cut up in interesting ways. It's interesting, though. Interesting, I mean, I guess. I think, like, if if a fart makes a sound like a human voice, I would find that interesting, but I wouldn't necessarily like to listen to it as music. The other... Th- See, You're the Monkey's kind of cool. I don't know. I don't think it's totally, like, inaccessible or something. It's cool. Really? I think it's pretty inaccessible. What's that, George? Like, I said I think it's pretty inaccessible. Oh. Well, okay. Let We gotta get back... You didn't laugh at my fart joke Say either. that again, George? Did you hear... Did you hear my fart joke? Did you hear... You made a fart joke? Yeah. You didn't hear it, did you? No, because it's Zoom. Zoom ruins your jokes. <laughs> what was the fart joke? <laughs> you said this is... It's interesting, at least, and I said... Yeah, so is the sound of a fart that sounds like a human voice, but that doesn't mean I want to listen to it as music. (laughs) 
Hold on, the sound of a fart, but it's a human voice? Yeah, you know, somebody's like fart was like, or something like that. I'd oh. be like, oh, that's that's interesting. You know, I've heard stuff like that on the internet, but I'm not like, hey, I'm going to throw this on on Saturday morning while I make coffee. Well, you need to come to my house on a Saturday morning because that's what we're <laughs> listening to. And I'm not even kidding. My kids tell our Google just to play fart sounds. And then, we, and then they just laugh. So Yeah, kids are weird. Kids have like this, like, it's like they're their need for humor or zaniness like out need, outweighs their need to just like enjoy so or enjoy something's beauty you know so it'll be like you know like um alexa play um christmas songs sung by cat meows <laughs> <laughs> like kids love that kind of stuff i love that you're going after kids you're like they just don't appreciate beauty enough those little Kid, dicks. all kids <laughs> It's Jordan Clausen's takedown of children. <laughs> yeah, that is pretty sad, actually. This is why I'm an old uh, curmudgeon. <laughs> no, but what I was going to say is, I think to really appreciate Enjoy Your Rabbit, you have to think about 2001. Mm. Because we are inundated with electronic music. Everybody and their their nephew is on a computer making electronic music. Yeah. So when you listen to Enjoy Your Rabbit now, um, I think you kind of have to remember it's 2001. This is Sufjan Stevens' second major release, if you don't count kind of his Stalker album or whatever. It's, it's the second thing he does is he does A Sun Came, and then he puts out... An instrumental mu music. I read this. He originally wanted to put together argumentative essays, stanzas of free verse poetry, and persuasive dissertations and assertions to prove the existence of God based on the 12-year lunar calendar. That was his original intent, and I think that's funny. That is funny, yeah. I mean, it's all kind of tongue-in-cheek with Sufjan. It, I think it is, but think about that album. That would have been fascinating and probably maybe not that good. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think the concepts are often, when you hear the concepts, you're like, this will be bad. But that's what I think makes him kind of a genius, is that he does these bizarre things well. These bizarre ideas. That is so 2001 to be like, I'm going to prove the existence of God. <laughs> yeah. I, like, that's how I felt in 2001. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I read Mere but, Christianity and I was like, I can take down any atheist. <laughs> Get me a banana. I'm going to take down an atheist. Do you know what I'm referring to? Yes, you should explain that. Is I just remember this guy named Ray Comfort. I think he's from New Zealand. Yeah, he yeah. would debate these brilliant atheists, and he'd just be have a banana, and he'd just be like, "Look at how this banana is designed to fit in my hand." Yeah, he's like, I remember argument. he was like, "Behold, the atheist's worst nightmare." The banana. <laughs> Look how it fits in my hand, and meanwhile, evolution can explain that away in like a second. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then also I saw this thing that was like, 
it was like him saying that and then it was just this clip of like here is an undomesticated banana and it's just this blob it's like people actually like the reason why bananas look like that is because people like grew them in certain ways and and cultured them and trained the the agriculture to do what they wanted it to do exactly but jordan in 2001 we just that we didn't want to hear that yeah just hand me a banana god exists yeah and i'm still a believer i just want to make that clear but i do i am critical of just how funny things were back then and even even just it might be tongue-in-cheek but just relating to sufyan saying i'm gonna create this album to prove the existence of god i think that's funny yeah and I, maybe I he wasn't serious i think what it. it is is like more of like a pushback against like this kind of classical foundationalism where you're like well um everything is apologetics like the, the first thing you need to ask is like you know does math and science prove the existence of god it's like nobody actually nobody who, who has like nobody who has like a spiritual belief system thinks that yes and what is so was so hard for us in 2001 is in the real world, just being like trying to do apologetics with friends and people and, and just being like, God exists. And then you'd be like, why? And be like, because the Bible says it does. And then they'd just be like, but I don't believe in the Bible. And then you'd just be like, I don't know what to say now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. But anyway, Jor, I want us to go back to 2001. This album came out five days after September 11th. Yeah. You were furiously journaling how much you love George W. Bush. Like, <laughs> probably the day this came out, you were journaling about how you love George W. Bush. It's true. Um, Which is I, great I, to put I, it well, in context. I don't know if I love George W. Bush. I remember I was just kind of like, I, you know, I was in that evangelical culture, so I was just kind of believed whatever anybody said. And I was like, yeah, George W. Bush is a godly man. I actually remember watching Jesus Camp and being kind of conflicted, like, mostly on their side. Yeah, interesting. Well, to join you, one time I, I was in Australia, maybe in, this is like 2004, and this Australian guy was criticizing George W. Bush. And I stopped him and I said, you can't do that. He is the Lord's anointed. And then I made him pray for George W. Bush. <laughs> I can't think of a single memory that makes me feel more stupid <laughs> than that one. Yeah. Yeah. That He's is the stupid. Lord's anointed. Oh, no. Yeah. So you and I were very similar in 2001. Yeah. In the early 2000s. Do you remember but, where you were when um, you heard about September 11th? <laughs> of course I do. Okay. Wh what was going on? Okay, I was homeschooled, and so it was like 9 o'clock in the morning because I would just sleep because I was homeschooled. And then my mom just knocked on the door and said, Justin, there's planes flying into buildings all over the place. I think it's the end times. And that was how I woke up that day. I just was like, I think this is the last day on earth was just like the wake-up call from my mom, who's like, I think it's the end time. So I was just like, better get out of bed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can recall I I wasn't homeschooled, as you can all probably tell. 
Um, and I you're rem- the cooler one for sure in this duo. <laughs> no, that's not true. That's <laughs> not true. I I that def- is absolutely true. No, I think that um, no, I don't think that's true. I I actually a lot of my good pals were homeschooled and they're wonderful people. I think homeschoolers just hadn't kind of had a different um, progress of uh, growth. Yeah, you know, like they were really big like very socially inept for a longer period of time maybe but then when when things kick in they're like extra special i think yeah Um, thank you (laughs) it's true but um yeah i remember i was in grade 11 and i woke up and we were living in airdrie which is like a suburb of calgary and I like came downstairs in my towel because I was getting ready for school, and I was just like a classic teenager, just like "shut up, mom" kind of teenager. And I remember my dad was like, "Jordan, there, someone flew pl- two planes into the World Trade Centers in New York." And I just like looked at the TV, and I was, and I just shrugged and walked downstairs to my room and got ready for school. I just didn't care. <laughs> Whoa, chore. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, crazy. Not, not in a kind of like whatever the world is harsh. I was just kind of like so dumb that I was just kind of like, oh, it's probably just like another news day. <laughs> I remember. Well, it's thinking about Sufjan having to release an album because music was. Um, I remember MTV would just play a loop of the same five videos that were just about like love. And everybody was so just kind of like, let's just come together. And mm-hmm. I remember that Deadpool, I think that was the name of the band. They were they had a hit song called Let the Bodies Hit the Fuck. Let the oh, bo-. no. And then September 11th happened and everyone's like, we're never going to listen to that song again. And Deadpool was gone. Yeah. And it was like, you could not play music like that anymore. You just wanted music that was unifying and comforting, unless unless not unifying about anybody of the Islamic faith or yeah. <laughs> not American. Like, I just remember we all hated French people at the time, too, and, and stuff. But America was very united. And Canada, I'm sure, was coming to our aid and, and all that. But so... It's just funny to think that Sufjan's album comes out five days later. And it's, I mean, it's an instrumental album. A part of me feels like I don't know anybody that was listening to it when it came out. No. You know. Most people discovered him later, for sure. But do you, like, do you, how much value do you place on this release? Like, because when I listen to it, there are sounds where you go, okay, that was a Michigan sound. You know, I think or that, that this was, was a, a songs for Christmas sound. I You're like that, some of these sounds transfer over. I think that it was a very intentional release day. I think actually, my guess is that Sufjan had planned to release it a little bit later, but he was like, "No, September 11th happened. I gotta get this out, <laughs> people." <laughs> you guys, we gotta move this up. Yeah, people gotta hear "Year of the Monkey." He heard you two play their rendition of Walk On in the September 11th tribute. And he said, Aww. I can do this too. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. You know, but, but going back to 2001, the world was just so black and white. There was an obvious hero and an obvious enemy, at least for me growing up in America. It was just yeah. everything was just so cut and dry, black and white. 
and everybody was super unified and everybody was going to church. That's the other thing is like this huge spike in churchgoers. And so <laughs> pastors were like secretly just being like, this is awesome. <laughs> huh, interesting. I wonder. I wonder if that, I wonder if the data plays out that way. I, I did see that because church attendance now is like lower than ever it's ever been. And when you look at the graph after 2001 has like a huge spike. Right. Yeah. Because it was a, it was in some ways actually like they say like every 20 years or so there's kind of like a shift, like something happens that kind of shifts the culture and September 11th was one. Every generation I guess has one, you know, September, yeah. September 11th and now COVID is going to be another one. Um, I don't think it's necessary. I mean, maybe people will, maybe church attendance will spike now as we reopen, but I don't, I don't know. I no, doubt Jordan, it. that's not happening. <laughs> not happening, bro. Yeah. Um, but um, all that to say, there is something I think pretty innovative about Sufjan doing this in 2001. Because I remember feeling like you had your folk artists, and then you had electronic artists. You never saw somebody try to do both. I yeah. remember being shocked that people could listen to both and like both. Yeah. Again, I think this is more kind of playtime Sufjan. I think this was kind of just like he was just experimenting and there wasn't a lot, uh, there wasn't a lot at stake for him, right? Well, I think it's something that Sufjan loves to do because where are we in 2021? What's Sufjan's latest release is basically an anthology of instrumental music. Yeah. So Sufjan, I think, loves just expressing himself and finding new sounds and finding new ways and maybe not having to be super vulnerable and put lyrics on it and put stories to it, but just let it be. Yeah. You know? I get that. Totally. So getting back to the album, here's something that hit me as I returned to this album. So my relationship to this album was in 2005, I dropped the nine bones or ten bones on iTunes. I downloaded it. I probably listened to it once and I never listened to it again. Mm -hmm. Do you, did you have an experience like that? Uh, I don't remember. Like, honestly, I can't... I. I sometimes can't believe there was a world before streaming. Like I st sometimes can't, like I completely forget that I used to buy, buy music, um, which is sad, but yeah, I don't think I ever did. I might've bought it on iTunes or something, but I don't, I, I definitely didn't own a physical copy. Yeah. And this is something that dates us, but the feeling of investing in an album and then not liking it is that's gone. But you would spend ten, fifteen dollars on a CD, and then you just be like, "Oh, I'll never listen to this," and you just be like, "I wasted my money." Yeah, isn't that a crazy thing that doesn't happen anymore? Absolutely. I mean, I think yeah, I think because even now, like, say, like there are some people who are really um, religious about only buying on something like Bandcamp because then yeah. you actually buy the files and. Um, you get high quality files too, and the the money goes mostly to the artist. Um, but even that, like you can like you can listen without paying first. Exactly, all the tracks are just there. Yeah. 
And iTunes was kind of funny because it gave you, what, a 30-second preview of every song? I think it was only like 15 seconds at first, and then they expanded it. Yeah, so you'd get 50. I feel like I, we need to educate our younger listeners as if we have them. <laughs> <laughs> Let's face it. Our only listeners are other 30-year-old homeschooled people. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true to all of you public school 20-somethings. Yeah, we love you, Gen Z. We're, we want to be open to you. Jordan and I don't want to be lame old people. Speaking of Gen Z, have you ever heard, have you heard this word chuggy? No. Chuggy? Chuggy. It's a new it's a new Gen Z term. It What's basically it mean? means it's like it's kind of like you know how millennials have okay boomer? Yeah. It's kind of like okay boomers from from Gen Z to millennials. So Chuggy is like someone who's like five to ten years behind fashion. Like oh, an, yeah. Like an influencer. I'm a <laughs> yeah. You are totally <laughs> I'm such a chuggy. Gen Z let me have it. Roast me, Gen Z. <laughs> They'll be like, it's like, loves the office was one I heard. Um, yeah. Like side, uh, side part. Yeah, sure. Uh, me too. Um, because also another rabbit trail. Uh, I'm too old to have a middle part. I cannot do it. I'm, don't you Gen think? Gen Z's doing middle part? Yeah, it's all about the middle parts now. God bless you, Gen Z. You just came back around. I was doing middle part at your age, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In grade 8, 9, 10, it was all about the middle parts. I wanted to be Sean from Boy Meets World. Ryder oh, Strong. I wanted to be Devin Sawa. He had a oh, wicked middle part. What a babe. Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah. And did you do an undercut? So you'd have a middle part, but you'd shave, like, really high up, and yeah. then you'd let the hair flop over? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know what? I just went and got a haircut, and I actually said, I want, like, kind of like a 90s mushroom cut, but kind of not, don't go too hard. But if you look, it is kind of like like a mushroom cut. Yeah, if you parted it in the middle, you'd be close to Sean. Yeah. And then maybe you wouldn't be a chuggy. Yeah. it's Well, it's more of a verb, or it's more of an adjective than a noun. It's like, oh, that's so chuggy. Like, another chuggy thing is, like, a lot of, you know, like, influencer moms who are, like, just like everything is pristine and they're like wearing big blogger hats and there's like and like feathers on everything and everything is, is that like, chuggy like like the way you were describing in a previous episode um matt uh, uh a coffee shop in vancouver oh yeah with like tree stumps and stuff yeah that's very chuggy yeah i i'm so surprised that that was my image of a coffee shop and you're like that was a coffee shop in, like, 2011. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, going back to um, Enjoy Your Rabbit, I was going to say, while I was listening to it, the first thing that kind of made me think again was um, Year of the Ox. Which yeah. I was like, this is actually really fun, and this is really Sufjan. I like um, Year of the Ox. Let's listen to it. Yeah. And I have something to say. Is... By the time I got to Year of the Rat and Year of the Ox, I had an epiphany, Jordan. Okay. The songs sound like the animal. I think that was supposed to be the idea, yeah. So, I'm picturing, I'm an ox, I'm a baby ox, I'm walking around, I'm a little ox. And then Daddy Ox comes in. Listen, I'm Daddy Ox, I'm bigger ox, I'm a big Daddy <laughs> Ox, you are the baby ox. There is a narrative and a story if you let it. Yeah. 
here's a baby ox. I'm walking around. I'm a baby ox. But wow, the baby ox is back. very interested You're, in telling people. What's it, that, Jordan? The, the baby ox has a lot to say about what it's doing, like walking. <laughs> yeah, and the daddy ox. But it's like, I'm also walking around. I, I'm, we're listening to You're the Rat right now. I'm going to skip ahead. Okay. What? This is a little scampy rat. I'm a rat. I'm scamping around and I'm running around the kitchen. I'm a little rat. The songs <laughs> resemble the animal's drawer. Yeah. How's I, I guess my I hypothesis that. standing up? No, I think, and, and you're right, even with like Year of the Monkey, like little stupid monkeys are so annoying and just... <laughs> You hate that song. I wow, hate it. You I really do so hate it. So much disdain for that I, it's song. Just, it feels a little bit, you know, I don't know. I just think that, oh, it, it's, what was it? I, I read a little review about it and it's like the fault of this record is that Sufyan has really great ideas, but he takes, he takes way too long and elaborate of a process to get from point A to point B. And by the time he gets to like finishes the idea, you're just kind of tired. This, yeah, I could see that. And th- this album, I mean, it's long. Yeah. And most songs are going way over the three-minute mark. Most songs are four minutes, six minutes, and that's of instrumental. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I apologize to our listeners. I, I want to represent this album really well, mm-hmm. but... It's just been hard for me to get into it. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it. I think it's cool. I mean, and I don't think Sufjan Stevens in 2001, like you said, I think he's playing. I think he's having fun and yeah. he's discovering things. And I like. I don't even think we need to project that it has to be this seminal, incredible thing. Yeah. But it is unique that that Sufjan decided to do instrumental and thinking about a sun came which is has some great tracks on it but this album doesn't have anything as egregious as like satan saxophones or something that's true it's less it's less jokey or something yeah um, it's not jokey there's you know there's year of the asthmatic cat which is a bit of a joke mm-hmm. there but yeah you're right um any anything else pop out to you that you really enjoyed or yeah you know i was really banking on my the song sound like the animal kind of being a bit longer of a point <laughs> <laughs> because that's kind of all i got oh, okay <laughs> well another one that i really enjoyed right after um I mean, I, I really hope that I'm not offending people by this. I'm just, this is just, again, like, I'm sure if I would have taken a year to spend with this, mm-hmm. uh, I would kind of get all the nuances, make more connections. This is this is almost kind of like, you know, primary impressions kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but I loved uh, Year of the Sheep. I thought that was really, especially after a real annoying one, like Year of the Snake. Um, (laughs) Okay, let's listen to Year of the Sheep. Actually, let's get a little taste of Year of the Snake. What's your issue with this one? I think it's exactly what I was saying before. It's just like some cool ideas that just take too long to connect. And not too long. It's almost a seven minute song. Yeah, they're just like 
some great melodic moments. And I, that's not to say that I don't think you should just hit all all killer or no filler. You need to you need to pace yourself for sure. But there's too much pacing. It, it's mind. a slow build on this one. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, let's go to Year of the Sheep. So what do you like about this one, Joy? Um, I thought it was uh I mean I, I think it starts like this, but it, it kinda opens up in a sec. But I, I don't know, I just thought it found it really pretty and I, I liked it. To Sufyan's credit, there are like you said, there are melodic moments on this album that are really great. Mm -hmm. And I'm sad that I dismissed it so much because there are there are songs where you go, this is good. And Sufyan's, I think, giving allusions to what he's capable of in the future of just songwriting and melody writing. And I was also surprised there's there's vocals on this album. Mm -hmm. Liz Jane's sings on it, Sufyan sings on it. Mm -hmm. It's just not lyrics. And it, yeah. And there's lots of acoustic instruments too. It's not just electronic. Yeah, I actually it's not I I've already said it, so maybe I shouldn't say it again. But it did surprise me how not electronic the album is. Right. I mean he has like kind of computery digital sounds but there's a lot of trumpet and drums and guitar and like I said there's even vocals you know what I don't know if it was Year of the Sheep actually now I'm second guessing myself because this is just kind of like a long blur of, of noise I know we're listening to Year of the Sheep and it's just what is it ambiance hmm what's Year of the Rooster alright Oh yeah, so this is a great example of a Sufjan song that sounds like Sufjan, and you're like, yes, he, this is obviously a direction he takes, you know? Like, this sounds like a more kind of dense, less um, realized version of a lot of stuff that you hear in Michigan and Illinois. Yeah. And a lot of this reminds me of Songs for Christmas, too, which uh, some of those... Uh, EPs were recorded around the same time. Mm -hmm. What, what about I, Year of the Dragon? Can we hop ahead? I, I just want to hear that one. I think maybe it was which, actually that one that I which was one? thinking. Year of the Dragon? Oh, sure. I'll skip ahead a little bit. This is a nine and a half minute song. I think this. I think it was this one. What's that? I don't think it was actually Year of the Sheep that I meant. I think it was Year of the Dragon. It's kind of pretty. It's got this like classic Sufjan fantasy slash Steve yeah. Reich slash quirk. It's nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was Year of the Dragon that I meant, not Year of the Sheep. Year of the Sheep's just Year Su of the Shit. Has Sufjan done film scores, do you know? 
At this point, I doubt it. Just, just a young I know pop that still. The BQE was a film, but yeah. I mean, like you know, a theatrical released film. It would be interesting to to have Sufjan score a film, and I think he could do it really well. Um. Yeah. Any any other ideas? Any other? Well, things? I really liked Year of the Horse. Okay. I just think it has a cool, like, chugging along beat to it. And I actually listen to Year of the Horse a lot because I just like it. I think it's cool. <laughs> For those um, of you who can't see, Justin is currently air drumming. Yeah, I get some air drums going. I wish I had more to say about this album, and maybe that's why I was hesitant to do an episode about it. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I don't know what else to say. It's Sufjan in 2001 making an instrumental album. It's definitely, if you're a Sufjan Stevens fan, it's worth a listen. It's worth seeing how he evolves. Yeah. But the problem that I have, Jor, is I connect to lyrics and I connect to themes. Sometimes I can hate a song musically, but if the lyrics connect with me, I will love it. Yeah, I get that. I, I listen to mostly instrumental music, actually, so I maybe am less like that, but I get that for sure. So um, why doesn't Enjoy Your Rabbit enter your rotation of instrumental music? Um, again, like I, I just, it, it's, I, there's a lots of great stuff and I think that some of it will enter my, my catalog. Um, I, I also noticed uh, the, another side note that Stephen Stevens love of five, four timing is on this. Um, I think it's the first, oh, oh no, maybe a winner needs a wand also had, was in five. But yeah, he really loves five, which is the timing's like one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five, dun, 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 that kind of thing. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, I, I think that some of it will enter. I, I just, I guess I just don't really love like a lot of abrasive sounds. I, I don't know. It's, and it doesn't have to, that doesn't mean it can't be weird. It can't be surprising. I just don't really love music that's, that's, that can have I don't know that's too abrasive and I, I just think a lot of this is really kind of distorted and dissonant yeah and I'm gonna take it even further I don't even like minor chords get rid of them all minor chords give me the majors <laughs> I don't want any minors <laughs> I don't think you really think it's that. too sad <laughs> I mean all all the songs you love have minor chords in them yeah I know what was that Alicia Keys album? Wasn't that whole album called like Songs in A Minor? Oh, let me look. I'm like, hey, Alicia, when it's A major, I'll listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Songs no, I like minor chords. Yeah, Songs in A Minor. Um, but here's a good question. Is Sufjan at this point isn't like, he's not necessarily a career musician yet. Right. Does are you impressed just by the the fact that this is his second album and he's composed and done most of the instrumentation on all of it? Is that quite a feat as as a second album release from from somebody just 
kind of starting out in a sense? Like, would that impress you if you had a friend that was just like, hey, I just put together this instrumental album. Like, would you listen to that and be like, wow, this person's gifted or, you know? I I would, yeah. I would too. And I think we have to look at it that way is we may not, we may have fallen in love with Sufjan's lyrics and his voice and his storytelling. And like you said up top, he's actually very, he's good looking like that. I was very shocked by that when I saw a first photo of him. I thought, he's a handsome, he's a beautiful man. <laughs> yeah. He's got a lot of things going for him. Um, but he legitimately has this knack for, like, to put together an 80-minute instrumental album that is that is like this, it does show that this Sufjan is gifted and i think he's showing us that he's capable of i think more than just sitting down with a guitar and and playing four chords and singing a great song yeah i yeah i I think you're right i i I think he's he is an excellent arranger and that is actually well he's great he's great at melody too but i do think that i think it's his melodies that or his his arrangements that really do set him apart as an Mm -hmm. artist um I think his lyrics are great. His melodies are great, but it's it's the arrangements that are really the thing that kind of brings something unique and new to the table. And I mean, we're doing a podcast on Sufjan Stevens, and I don't think you get as obsessed of a fan base unless you create such an original sound. Like Sufjan has his own sound. Yeah, you go. That's a Sufjan, and we're not talking about his voice. But you go, that's a Sufjan sound. Like when Phoebe Bridgers came out with This Is The End, that her last track, everybody goes, there's Sufjan sounds on that song. Right. So that's what, that's what I think sets Sufjan apart from any other artist is he actually created a unique style and a unique sound. And I think that's why he has such a, an obsessed fan base that you can actually see his influences on other artists and be like, that sounds like Sufjan Stevens. Yeah, totally. So I don't know, Jor, is there anything else we need to say? I, I can, I'm hearing the, the, the fingers slapping the keyboards of the emails being sent right now. <laughs> Just being like, it'd be better if you didn't do an episode on this at all because that was... <laughs> You you didn't talk about the thing that you should have talked about. Or what was to it which that somebody, I have to, Sorry? No, you say, Jor. What was it that somebody said? It was like, this is a great podcast and not a great Sufjan Stevens podcast. Yeah, they're like, it's a good podcast. It's a terrible Sufjan Stevens podcast. <laughs> I have a message to all you haters out there. Why don't you create your own Sufjan Stevens podcast then? Yeah, we can go head to head. Yeah, join us in the arena and compete. Yeah. yeah make a better one <laughs> which i'm sure wouldn't be that hard but but yeah i think that's all i have to say about enjoy your rabbit i think um i think it's an interesting historically i don't i just if i'm totally honest i don't see any reason for me to put this into any rotation and unfortunately it did feel like homework a little bit having to listen to this in preparation of of it, it you know um but that's not to say that i don't see the merit in it and i don't see Sufjan's talent in it and i and i still think it's you know if you're a Sufjan fan certainly give it a listen also i don't know if anybody made this point but 
the songs seem to match up with the animal that let it be known that was the only thing i had to say (laughs) (laughs) it's funny too because when i called you like a week ago and we were trying to plan a time to do this and i was like ah man i don't really know i don't know what i have to say about this record and you're like don't worry jor i got it i got a lot to say in the back of my head i'm going This song sounds like the animals. Jordan, you got nothing to worry about. I'm going to carry this one. (laughs) And I did. Cool. Well, other than that, um, what else are you into these days? What are you, what's getting you stoked in the art, in in art or entertainment? Is there any shows you're watching, music you're listening to? I don't know if you go through this, Jordan, but do you have, do you just go from one obsession to another obsession? like in your life where you're just like, I'm just obsessed with this thing. Um, Right now I'm obsessed with the band me without you, which is a early two thousands Christian post hardcore band. And for whatever reason I'm obsessed and I'm just been listening to their catalog. Yeah. Isn't that weird? And I I read a a, a biography called, Clever Words on Pages about a guy's friendship with the lead singer. And that just got me into it. But it took me back to something that doesn't exist anymore. It it was a 2006 version of Christianity where people were eating out of garbage cans and like really cared about justice and the poor and weren't really disillusioned and really felt like you could do something to bring more justice in the world. And, and like reading the book is the lead singer of Me Without You like would not eat anything unless it came from a garbage can. And like, I just, for some reason, I was just so nostalgic for that kind of hopeful time. That like Shane Claiborne era. The Shane Claiborne era. And it was before we realized that corporations ultimately, (laughs) like if they don't change, who freaking cares if you ride your bike? Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's so much disillusionment has entered our lives to just be like, I don't think we can do anything, which I don't fully believe. But just reading about this band and how they had like a veg, their their bus ran on vegetable oil. And yeah, he he like, you know, he, he would he would after a show sit on sit on a a curb with an acoustic guitar and do another set with his fans and i just kind of was so nostalgic for that time of my life that i seem to have gotten stuck there and obsessed with it Mm. just how kind of like hopeful and beautiful it was and i guess i just really miss it and i tried to go dumpster diving you did i tried in calgary or in in Australia? Yeah, I went to Superstore and Safeway, and I went behind them, and their dumpsters are incredibly complex. They're not just like a lid on a dumpster. You have to like wind this thing, and there's a big door that opens up, and I started winding this dumpster open, and as soon as it cracked open, a flood of putrid garbage liquid just started waterfalling out of this thing. (laughs) And then I was like... I don't think there's anything edible in there. (laughs) But I tried. I wanted to go back to that hopeful youth, you know, let's not waste food. I'm going to eat garbage. And and, uh, 
yeah, it huh. didn't work out. See, I was always kind of just a more like represent the movement, but don't actually do anything that requires any sacrifice to me <laughs> kind of thing. Like, yeah, I loved Shane Claiborne. Um, I didn't really make any changes, but, you know, I, I love talking about him and getting mad at, <laughs> at conservative people. But Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so I've been missing, listening to Me Without You a lot and mm. just have really enjoyed the lyrical content there. Mm-hmm. What about you, George? What are you into? Music, movies, TV? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I don't know if this is, this is really me. This is more my indie wife, Olivia, is really into baking bread right now. Very cool. Which is, you know, the classic kind of uh, uh, COVID thing to do. Yeah, she's a year behind. That I know, was this I know. time last year. I know, but she's into it. She sticks. She's stuck with it. She's kind of a. She's a pretty loyal person. So she's she's a six on the enneagram, and so she is sticking with it. And I'm kind of the bread taster, and I'm brutally honest. Sometimes <laughs> oh, no. I'm like, babe, this is we call each other Beb. Um, Ew. Which is, <laughs> another, going back to the first part of the podcast about The Bachelor, um, it started out ironically where we'd be, when we were dating, we'd be like, Beb, Beb. <laughs> and then we just ended up doing it for real. Um, so, which is really sad. We got to kick that. But um, yeah, uh, so sourdough, uh, I'm the sourdough taster. And so I'll be like, oh, it's quite stodgy. Live. Oh, that's gross. Stodgy. I don't like the word. Stodgy? Yeah. It's <laughs> British. I just don't like that you're so British. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, you are so American. It's like, oh, someone uses a British type of word. They're all uppity. Bro. In 1776, my ancestors fought to get under that tyranny, and I don't appreciate hearing that word. Wow, you're so oppressed. Um, yeah, so I'm kind of the sourdough taster, but we've been kind of trying to f- together figure out how she can do it in a way that, you know, also so the, the bottom was way too crusty for a while. Um, she also did, what is it called again when you slice the top? Uh, oh, scoring. like with the razor blade? Yes, um, we we I think we still need to figure out a better way to score it. So anyway, that's kind of what I've been into lately, um, is bread, sourdough bread, and Justin has a disgusted look on his face, and I just don't even want to hear what bullshit he has to say. Just to recap, the thing that you're into is tasting bread. <laughs> Again, I'm more of an ideas guy. <laughs> you know. Shane Claiborne comes along. I'm like, yes, I love this idea. Don't want to do any of the stuff, but I do love the idea. You're like, my hobby right now is I criticize my wife's bread. (laughs) Well, I looked into sourdough at the beginning of the pandemic, and it was like, leave this thing out for a day, and then you have to feed it every day, and then you do that for two weeks, and then maybe it'll turn out, and then maybe it won't. And I was just kind of like, this is a bad idea why would anybody want to do this yeah it's so much work and then it doesn't turn out yeah um yeah and you know how much sourdough costs it's like you could buy it for like two dollars i know but it's still fun see this is just (laughs) corporate america swallowed your soul (laughs) yeah that's true hey i'm eating out of garbage man or i tried to 
<laughs> until the what? putrid wave fell all over you. Did you get any on you? No. And then I was just like, I got to get out of here. Oh, I did go behind a, a Cobb's Bread, which is like a bakery. And I was looking in their bins. And then an employee opened the door. And I just looked at them. And I was just like, hello. <laughs> 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 but anyway, um, George, what about music? I think everybody dies for your music wrecks. Oh, yeah. Um, what am I into right now? Um, again, I listen to a, like a lot of instrumental, like classical kind of music. So um, just wait, let me look here. Um, um, I really love, oh, there's this singer-songwriter called Cassandra Jenkins, who's really, really awesome. Oh. Um, uh, she has a, a record, out, a new record out called An Overview on Phenomenal Nature. And it's so, so good. Um, Is this instrumental? No, it's not. It's like just kind of singer-songwriter. But it's a little bit, it kind of reminds me of like some 80s stuff when it like, like there's like songs where, like one of the second or third songs. Yeah, where basically like she'll talk and it'll just be like a sax kind of playing in the background. And she'll be what? like, and she'll like kind of read a poem, and then she'll sing the chorus. So it's like the beginning of "So I Married an Axe Murderer" with Mike Myers. Yeah, a little bit like, like that. Woman, woman. <laughs> yeah, it is a little bit like that, but it's better. Obviously, that was kind of like a parody of that kind of thing. So we're talking. It's like San Francisco coffee shop in 1993. There, there's a little bit of that edge. It alludes to that. It. It also has like some just classic, like the first song Michelangelo is so awesome and just like a classic kind of singer songwriter, like four chord song too. Oh, cool. It's not. I love checking out what you're listening to. I usually really enjoy it. Yeah. Well, you should check it out. Um, what else? I, I've been trying to, I, I really, I love like a lot of Peter Gabriel songs and I, my new record is really influenced by Peter Gabriel and like stuff I know of him that I love, but I've been trying to just kind of engage more with his whole catalog instead of just kind of the, the few songs I know. Yeah. And so um, I've been listening to So a lot, which is one of his classic records. Wow, this is surprising. How come? Peter Gabriel. No, I just wasn't expecting it. And this is going to be heavily influencing your new album. Well, I mean, um, in a way, like. I've been trying to, I, I hate even describing this because it sounds so insensitive, but what, what used to be called world music when I was young, but now I think people call it global music, um, yeah. uh, was a big influence on me. I really loved it. And some of my favorite, even Enya songs are like kind of more that, that kind of global that, vibe. That is your vibe. That's it. Cause you're you have a very specific kind of global thing that I just didn't have like like Enya and like and it comes through your music um often and I love it yeah but um that helped me define like oh yeah I think it came from Liana Kloss and your mom <laughs> yeah. do you think I I don't know maybe oh I don't know why I'm trying to hypothesize where it comes from but yeah, hey. well, I mean, so we're, I'm like really in this record. I'm really leaning into that, and I actually have a lot of hand drums. Like I brought in up like a an African percussionist, or he, he's not African, but he was twinned and trained in Zambia, I believe, for a few years, and he's getting his PhD in African percussion. And uh, yeah, so he, he 
Wow. And so he, so there's a lot more of those kind of vibes in on the record. But I'm also trying to be sensitive and not appropriative. Uh, oh, you just ruined my joke. I was going to say, <laughs> well, Jorah, if there was a time for cultural appropriation, it's now. <laughs> I don't think it comes across as appropriative. I, no, I I'm think just kidding. Actually, I got to hear one of Jordan's new songs, and I was blown away. I think it's amazing. And... I have an MP3 copy of it, and I could leak it on the internet at any moment. That's how much you trust me. Yeah, I think I've just stopped caring. Maybe I want. I'm gonna leak it. I want to leak it don't, so bad. Don't just don't don't. Oh, I want to get written up in a, an online magazine. Yeah, like, I'm we sure got people, a source people would that be swarming. Jordan new song. <laughs> Uh, well, um, I guess, I guess that's kind of it for this episode. Um, should we, um, well, just so you guys know, um, the surprise episode is actually going to be a collaborative episode coming up with, um, my friends who make their own music podcast. It's called Album Versus Album. It's a great one. Um, they kind of pit two albums against each other. Um, so... We're going to be following their format for this collaborative episode, um, but we're going to be talking about Sufjan Stevens, so it's a bit of a crossover. Um, and we're going to be doing uh, Illinois versus Michigan. So, um, yeah, stay tuned. That will be our next episode. It will be a hopefully a fiery tearing out of hair and bruise and cuts metaphorically. Um, yeah, that, and I think we're gonna go at it. Yeah, yeah. That's we're gonna have a Michigan camp and an Illinois camp, and we're going at each other. Yeah, I mean the the I, the the guys in the podcast are very nice and agreeable, so I think you and I are gonna have to kick some ass. But I also think we might be on opposing teams. I don't want to say, but I I don't want to give away what we're defending here. Well. Let's just say we're going to channel some George W. Bush and we're going to kick some ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, stay tuned to that one. All right. Well, with that said, thank you so much for listening. As always, you can email us at TW. That was T. TW. What is it? TWTPE at gmail.com t-w-t-p-e at gmail.com t-w-t-w-p-e at gmail.com it'll be in the description oh was i saying it wrong that was the worst oh t-w-t-w-p-e yes i literally had to write it down in front of me to know what it was (laughs) so you can tell us your comments there we love hearing actually i forgot i got (laughs) One email I got, I never passed it on because I just thought it was funny, is I think one of us made a comment, oh, Sufjan didn't really do anything between this year and this year. And I got an email and I don't even think it said hello. It was just a bullet point of everything Sufjan Stevens did in those years. Just to correct Oh, us. wow. And it it was made me lot? laugh. Just like bullet points. Like, this is how much you don't know. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks for that feedback. You guys are the best. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm so glad you listened. We love you. And as always, this is Jordan Clausen and Justin Bill saying we think the dress looks nice on you. Bye. Until next time. Bye.